This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. to episode number 115 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast myself along with Nick Max and Nick shut up I don't know what you're laughing about but shut up <laughs> welcome to the you show. know exactly what I'm laughing at but that's fine you're laughing what? at how you thought the Rangers were going to win this series and that's not what's happening but anyway oh I thought I thought you finally saw a mirror for the first time today anyway I wouldn't laugh it just shatters but anyway you know who really needs to look in the mirror is the New York Rangers you're right um other than that um we're going to be looking forward and looking ahead to what is going on in the world of hockey a fair amount of signings uh, a coach firing as well too that kind of came out of left field we'll talk a little bit about that to start our show in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup and Center ICU News and Notes main portion of the show uh it's going to be all things Stanley Cup round number three heading into the cup final uh does Tampa pull it off will the Rangers come back we'll have to see and what does the Stanley Cup final look like with either of these teams awaiting the Colorado Avalanche. Um, also, you know, who's uh, the best team that has been bounced from this year's postseason uh, to not actually win a cup final? Um, kind of going to be interesting to see what team maybe had a shot that uh, kind of crapped the bed, so to speak, and we might be a little bit closer to home on that one than we think. Um, our extra eye session uh, is a kind of an interesting one as well, too. We're going to go back historically as it is almost Stanley Cup final time. And we're going to talk about our most shocking, iconic moments of Stanley Cup finals in the past from 1996 onwards. So um, we're going to take a look at that and a lot of other things. As always, Nick, we start with Center Ice View News and Notes in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup here, Noah. And as you mentioned, a lot of signings, a lot of firings, and well, actually, some firings that I think a lot of people got taken off guard. How about this? Bruce Cassidy in Boston yeah. is out after six seasons. This one shocked me. I think it shocked mm-hmm. you as well, Noah. Uh, 245, 108, and 46 in the regular season. Uh, from my math, that's pretty good, uh, yeah. from what I understand, including the game seven Stanley Cup final appearance in 2019. Of course, that coming against the St. Louis Blues for their first and only Stanley Cup final victory. Uh, Cassidy has already, as we probably would have mentioned, already engaged in talks with other teams, um, but was told during his exit meeting that he would be safe for the upcoming season. So, obviously not, right? 635 winning percentage is 20th all time. Uh, no, I actually want to get your opinion on this because it, the team 
was done for a couple of weeks. And you talk about the exit meetings, and I really do think that this was a prominent role in why Bruce Cassidy was let go because, again, we saw the record in the regular season, 245, and 46. It's a hell of a record, um, yeah. over a 600 win percentage. So something wasn't jiving with the current squad. In fact, there are rumors out there that both David Krejci as well as Patrice Bergeron um, – expressed that if Cassidy returned, that they would not return as Bruins. Uh, what do you make of the Cassidy firing? Is Do you really think that it was the players voicing their concerns that led to his departure? Yeah, you know, it's weird to me, um, quite obviously. So, you know, taking it with a grain of salt, 70 games in 2019-20 and then 56 uh, the season prior to this one. Um, Nick, some numbers here, because uh, you know we like numbers here. You like uh, numbers, shut up. Yeah, uh, since since he started um, at the coaching helm, I guess he kind of came in tail end of 2016-17. So um, they right. had 44 wins that season. They started with Claude Julian and then ended with Bruce Gasty. Then after that, 50 wins, 49, 44, 33, and 51 win seasons for this team, Nick. Um, I mean, the track record, um, and in every one of those seasons since he was in there, they lost in the first round, second, cup final, second, second, and first round. Now, playoff success, you know, notwithstanding, because obviously I think this Bruins team maybe had a, a core that wanted to go a little bit deeper, especially with the aging Patrice Bergeron. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, sure. I don't get this. You know, it, I with, don't either. With Barry Trotz and the Islanders, you could kind of see a hint of maybe something where it was like they were missing an element of their game, you know, a little bit of offense and punch, a little bit of something that maybe they just want to kind of retool and do a different direction. Bruce Cassidy is a truly the complete coach when it comes to the way that he runs his systems, the way that he sets up his hockey team. The Boston Bruins were a well-oiled machine this season, and they have been right. for the past half a decade. Um, I don't get this move, and I, and I, and I wonder if there's – Something in Boston where it goes back to the playoff finishes, you know, comparative Maybe. to the regular season. Sure. Um, other than that, Nick, it's either got to be a locker room issue that we don't know about, um, a la Mike Babcock in Toronto. I was just going to say Mike or, Babcock. Right. Or it could be a management decision just deciding to pull the plug and they want a new facelift and a new fresh face or something like this. I, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. And, you know, and again, you talk about the numbers, right? It, it doesn't appear, at least to me, because if it was a number situation after their exit, generally, if a coach isn't living up to their expectations for management, they're let go pretty soon after their exit, yeah. right? Whether it's regular season or playoffs, this took some time. So I really do believe not only there are... I'm not saying that the rumors out there aren't true, but I do think there's some weight to those. And I yeah. also do believe the exit interviews are very powerful, especially in the professional league. And I've mentioned this before. We talk about Mike Yo, who I think is a great X's and O's coach. Yeah. Absolutely terrible connecting with players. And again, in that at in this day and age, whether it's the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, if you cannot connect with your players, um, you're just not su going to succeed as a head coach it, or a manager. You know, it's, not. you know, what's interesting though, this season, um, and this season was crazy for a lot of teams and the point values, uh, you know, respectively, um, this was yeah, actually the, in the East, this was actually the worst divisional finish for the Bruins in Bruce Cassidy's tenure. They finished, uh, third, second, second, first, third, and then this year, fourth, um, in their respective divisions. So, and they had over a hundred points They had 107 points, man. And they were behind Tampa right. Bay, who I hear they're doing okay. Um, right. Toronto, who 
had they had they been able to get through Tampa Bay, could arguably be in the same position as the Lightning right now. And yes. the Florida Panthers, who uh, say they, trophy winner. Yeah, say what say what you want about their postseason, but they had a heck of a regular season too. So that's um, a stacked division from what yeah, I the only yeah. T- the only two teams that bested them in the East on the Metropolitan side, of course, the Bruins in the Atlantic division is Carolina and the Rangers, who both had decent little postseasons, uh, so to speak, as well, too. So um it's a very odd thing. So there's gotta be something more to this. Um and if it's not, it's definitely a GM or ownership just pulling the trigger and looking for a facelift, I think, because uh, it doesn't make sense. No. And, uh, you know, we can speculate all we want, right, Noah? And it, it definitely sounds more like a locker room issue. Will we ever know? Probably not. But um, just kind of like Bruce Boudreau and a few other coaches that have uh, recycled, per se, run the league, I, I don't expect Cassidy to be out of a job no. um, very long. In fact, I think he'll be behind the bench uh, as soon as this season. Uh, speaking of behind the bench or maybe in the front office, right? Montreal, who has had quite uh, the season, you know, going back about 12 months, uh, a Stanley Cup final appearance and then uh, the opposite. Um, how about <laughs> this? I think a very good hire for them. Three-time Olympic gold medalist Marie-Philippe Poulin um, will work for the Habs and a part-time player development consultant. Again, um, the 31-year-old, jeez, uh, I mean – what more can you say about Marie Fulpulan? Um, and I and I say this as a very big compliment, Noah, because you talk about a name that resonates with Hockey Canada on the women's side. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's another bigger name out there right now than Marie Fulpulan. And and honestly, we we've seen the Seattle Kraken um, and a couple of the NHL franchises go with. Let's put this way. You need players that we haven't seen traditionally in the game. Well, and and here's the and here's what here's what I mean by that. It shouldn't be key to that. These these women have paid their dues. They're excellent at their yeah. craft, and it's sad they have to label it as sort of you know this new age thing because they deserve to be in the role. Marie Philip Poulin deserve, definitely deserves a shot at the NHL. Yeah, definitely. I, um, you know, one of the things that's interesting, you talked about her being the biggest name on the women's side for Hockey Canada. Dare I say, because of the fact that we haven't had NHLers for the past couple of go-rounds in the Olympics, dare I say she's probably the biggest name in international hockey probably Canada is. in general yeah. at this current point and more power to her. I mean, uh, us U.S. viewers definitely know the pain of having her find you know, goals and clutch moments that we didn't expect, yes. um, you know, when it seemed like Canada was down and out. So, you know, congratulations to her good pickup for Montreal. Um, I would say if it wasn't for the 2010 golden goal, uh, Jerome McGinley to Sidney Crosby to beat Ryan Miller, who's also in this list for something else as well, too. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Fun fun fact. Um, you know, she might be arguably the biggest name on that stage. I I, I think yeah. she outlasts Brad Marchand to the 2016 World cup of hockey um yep. i think if you take out the golden goal she's definitely maybe her or you know if you go back a ways Haley wickenheiser um wickenheiser, you yeah. know mm-hmm. might be an, might be another name that you throw in there but uh, a lot of good players coming out from canada especially on the women's side and it, it, like you mentioned it is good to see um, both women from the u.s uh canada and all over the world starting to get get into the fold of the national hockey league and professional hockey in roles that unfortunately like we talked about we haven't seen them in before so a great pickup for the canadians Really good. Uh, speaking of a pickup or maybe continuing on, um, you know, with their contract, how about this? Den- uh, Dennis Guriana from the Dallas Stars. Uh, this is a little surprising in terms of the term, only a one year, $2.9 million extension. Um, and I say this surprising because, yes, it was a down year for Guriana, a 31 point season. Um, was much better a year ago. I think he was a little bit underutilized. Um, uh, in Dallas. So maybe a show me contract, but uh, nonetheless, yeah. uh, the, the, uh, 
the 25 will get another uh, stint in Dallas, which um, was lacking some offensive punch toward the end of the end. Um, speaking of offensive punch, how about we go to the Blue Jackets, the cannon, right? Jack Roslovic, uh, the former Winnipeg Jack, getting a two-year, $4 million a year contract extension, 45 points this year. And then how about this? Montreal Canadiens defenseman Chris Weidman, a two-year deal at $750,000, which is the league minimum, by the way. So he gets a contract also as well. Um, let's go back to Dallas because there's a couple of Dallas names here that we have to talk yeah. about. How about this? Ben Bishop, I should say his contract, going to the Buffalo Sabres. Um, essentially, I think also a seventh-round pick, I believe, was thrown in this deal as well um, for future considerations to Buffalo. Um, mind you, Bishop hung up the pads in December. Um, it basically, I think it's a, a, a long-going knee injury, if I recall. Um, Noah, so um, you talk about cap circumvention, and I say that directly because, well, what else are you going to do with that contract? <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. So um, essentially, Buffalo may be looking to add or be very active in the free agent market, and I think this is a foreshadowing to that as well. I think Buffalo is primed finally uh, to make some noise and finally get back in the playoff hunt. So this is a stepping stone for them. Um, but let's talk about Buffalo in another way, right? How about this? You mentioned Ryan Miller. Um, number 30 will be retired and headed to the Raptors in Buffalo next season. Uh, he's the winningest U.S.-born goalie um, in NHL history, 391 career victories. Also the all-time leader in games played by an American puck stopper, as you had written in the script, 796 to be exact. Um, the effect that Ryan Miller has had on the game of hockey for the American goaltending prospects, right? I think it's important to point this out, Noah, because the U.S., if you look at forwards, defensemen, and goaltending, we talk about big names from goaltending. U.S. doesn't have a ton here. I mean, I think arguably yeah. right now, John Gibson John may Gibson. be the big one. Jack Campbell may be a close second, but in reality, the U.S. is not really known for goaltending development, and so this is a big deal um, for not only USA hockey, mm -hmm. for Ryan Miller, and also for the Buffalo Sabres. This is quite an honor. Yeah, maybe throw Jonathan Quick in there, too, oh, uh, yep. a U.S. Quick. born as well. So, um, yep. you know, it, it's interesting. You look at the goaltending conversation. How about another guy that maybe could be there in recent years? You mentioned the Dallas Stars. I'm going to backtrack very quickly. Jake Ottinger. Um, yep. He's an RFA this year, uh, as is Jason Robertson. Um, and, it, and I think with Gurionov, just to kind of throw this out there, he's an RFA after the upcoming season. So um, he's only 25, so he's got one more year of that arbitration eligibility. So I think it's buy low, sell high for him, just depending on – they have $19.5 million in cap space to the Stars, but a lot of that might get eaten up with goaltenders um, and Jason Robertson's contract. So, But you mentioned, obviously, Ryan Miller, you know, and especially you know his dominance. I, he won a Vesna, I believe, in 2009. Is 2009, 2012. He had a year – um, I think it was 2009-10 is what it was, where he had a 929 save percentage that led him to uh, his only Vesna trophy. Um, you know, but a couple of uh, playoff appearances, a couple of conference finals appearances from 2006 to 2008, and you know, in his younger years especially, he carried that franchise and made i don't want to say made buffalo an attractive place to play so for a lot of us in our generation especially the generation below my age group obviously Shut um, up. yeah <laughs> you know uh um actually ryan miller 43 years of age but um i know right holy hell you know 
the younger generation has always seen the Buffalo Sabres and maybe the Jack Eichel era as, you know, the, the, the laughing stock of the NHL if the Arizona Coyotes weren't here. Um, but you got to remember, you go back to the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, Buffalo was a, uh, a hot spot destination for a lot of players. It was rocking. The fan atmosphere was really good. And Ryan Miller and that group with Danny Briere, um, Jokin Jokin Hatch, Hatch. and Max, yes. Maxima Finneganoff, all of those guys, uh, Thomas Vanek, um, a former Minnesota Golden Gopher, a, a lot of guys that really made that happen. But Ryan Miller was at the forefront because he was the first goaltender. You know, he played in that outdoor game when he was in Michigan. And then he started, you know, taking all those records. And he was one shot away, quite literally, from winning a gold medal in 2010 with the U.S. So, um, you know, a lot of stepping stones for a player that, funny enough, never grew up as a goaltender, was an outskater until age 12, and then actually told his dad, if I get a hat trick this game, you know, can I get some goalie pads and ended up, I believe, scoring five points in that, including a hat trick and uh, never looked back. So what an impressive career for him. His last game in Anaheim with his parents and family there was so emotional. And yeah, what a stepping stone for young goaltenders. If you are a young, young listener of this podcast and you've never gotten a chance to watch some vintage Ryan Miller highlights, go back and watch the mid 2000s because it's pretty impressive. Uh, Tyler Ennis, Jason Pommeville, Derek Roy, just to name a few yeah. uh, big Buffalo Sabres. I mean, you're right. The, the, for the younger generation, they've known as, as kind of the doorstop. Uh, I hate to say it, but yeah. Buffalo, and even during this time, Noah, they've been a hockey-heavy market. And in fact, if you go back to the playoff television ratings, Buffalo was always in the top five yeah. in terms of watching. They are a hockey-crazy um television market they love their hockey and it really is from a hockey fan's perspective it's kind of been despicable the fact that they have been mm -hmm. in a position that have been for so long yes they, they try to retool you mentioned thomas vanek um doesn't even um former gopher why can't i think of his name go back to that as well maybe i'm i'm going nuts on that nope i am definitely going nuts on that yeah. um i was going to say uh, yeah. with this face the, the minnesota the wild Islanders. the minnesota wild have had a, a lot of uh, oh you're thinking of kyle Oposo. yes i am kyle Oposo. Yep. yeah um you know at casey middlestat as well too is mm -hmm. kind of the, the younger blood the younger generation yes. a couple of minnesota wild trades that have seen that of course pommonville going back marcus felino coming to the wild you yep. had marco scandela there for a little time as well too and he was um, a part i believe of the acquisition to acquire Jason Pommaville, if I recall. Yeah. And Jason Pommaville was an interesting guy too. When he came over to Minnesota, kind of had a slow start, but then like it was his age 33 or 34 season good. where he had a really good season. Really and Minnesota good. actually sold high on him. And then he kind of petered out towards the end of his career after that. But, yeah. you know, uh, it's an interesting story in Buffalo and Ryan Miller really had his name uh, etched in it. I actually have both him and Thomas Vanek's rookie cards. Um, I actually signed and not signed, sorry, sealed. Um, sealed, uh, sealed up in, in mint condition. So who knows what that might be worth one day? Probably like six whole dollars. Um, basil condition. <laughs> <Dr. Herbs. laughs> yeah. what, what, what can I say? But you want to talk about things that really aren't in basal condition, Nick? Um, hey, we've <laughs> talked about this Hockey Canada once again. Just a little tidbit here, so people have an idea. Um, flipping to oh, some legal yes. news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, remember that thing? Mm -hmm. um, yes, I do. Yeah, some of the Hockey Canada higher-ups could soon be asked to answer um, to the governing body's decision to settle a sexual assault lawsuit in Lane Good. May. According to Rick Westhead of TSN, who, shocker, he's on Unbelievable. the case. Unbelievable. 
Yeah. Unbelievable job he does. Seriously. Yeah. Lawmakers could vote as early as this upcoming Wednesday to determine whether to ask Hockey Canada executives to testify before the subcommittee about the abuse allegations and provide evidence regarding the settlement. So we'll keep you tuned if we hear well, anything about that. And real that. quick, Noah, one of the advantages the Hockey Canada in Canada has is that, as they mentioned the article, they're publicly funded partially. So there yeah. is an avenue to where there is a sort of an ownership or sort of an onus to on the taxpayer to know what happened. This would never happen in the U S. So, I mean, and again, going back to our previous conversations, real, just, just real short. Um, it appears that my wish of actually getting accountability or at least bringing to front, like what happened here uh, may actually come true. And I think this is a good thing. And, and again, hockey Canada being, uh, publicly funded, at least partially, maybe the avenue. And uh, I'm glad if it does end up going down that route um, that we do finally get some answers. Yeah, I hope we get some answers as well, too. Second to last topic here in the weekly roundup, uh, a trio of awards getting announced here for some winners in the NHL. Um, let's start PK Subban. No shock here. King Clancy Award for leadership qualities on the it, ice. 100%. Noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his community. You mentioned it. Uh, you thought he was probably the, the prime choice again for this one. Yes, so congratulations to PK Subban. Uh, sometimes looking a little bit better off the ice than he does on the ice, but uh, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Nonetheless, somebody who um, edged out Jared Spurgeon for this award and who had a very good year on a team that was not so great. Uh, Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets um, did win the Lady Bing Trophy for the player, a judge to have exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. Minnesota Wild fans go, well, what do you mean? Jared Spurgeon's underrated and he has so much class and this. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Connor had 93 points. <laughs> so uh, he was that, pretty good. Yeah. That put him above Jared Spurgeon. And, and granted, those who think that that playoff cross-check, the votes were in before that. So, yeah. Sorry. Yep. Uh, speaking of votes that have been in on this guy for, uh, guess what? 11 straight seasons as a finalist winning his record-setting Bergeron. fifth. Silky Trophy, Patrice Bergeron, the best defensive forward. I uh, did pass Montreal legend Bob Gainey for that record-setting fifth one. Yeah, how about that? 11 straight seasons in which he was a finalist. Uh, Calgary's Elias Lindholm and Florida's Alexander Barkov were the other finalists, but were they really the other finalists? I mean, (laughs) there was actually. So Eric Sinek uh, from Minnesota received a bunch of third and fourth place votes. Marcus Felino also getting some fourth and fifth place votes. So for the while, there was some conversation there. I do think that Eric Sinek is getting some national recognition for his play as well. If I'm not mistaken, is that not back-to-back years that Erickson Eck has been in the selfie conversation in fourth place? If Correct. I'm not, yeah, yes, he's so. been at least in the top five in terms of conversation. Yep. It would not shock me that his if the Wild continue to be a playoff contending team, which I think they will be next year, uh, despite some changes that are likely to come. That's a different topic. Um, I do think Erickson Eck is starting to finally get his name recognized and yeah, well-deserving. I think Erickson that could definitely be in a top three conversation as early as next season. Final topic here on the weekly roundup has nothing to do with defense or sportsmanship or leadership with these two guys, but oh, they are boy. good hockey players. Uh, Colorado's Nazem Kadri is expected to miss the remainder of the postseason with thumb surgery, though he has not yeah. officially been ruled out. Um, He was boarded by Edmonton's Evander Kane, who did receive a one-game suspension and missed game four on that one. Um, So, yeah, we'll have to see how far the Avs go here. It is the Avalanche's first Stanley Cup final since winning it all back in 2001. The 31-year-old yep. is an RF is a UFA this off season. So um, uh, yeah, he's definitely going to be in a lot. 
a lot of teams lists, I think. So um, we'll have to see how that ends up. On the other side of that uh, previous series, uh, Edmonton's Leon Dreisaitl, he played through a high ankle sprain since game six of round mm-hmm. number one against LA. That's pretty common knowledge there. Uh, Darnell Nurse. Uh, oh, boy. Torn hip flex. Dude, how? Ouch. How? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Like, how do you even how do you even walk? Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I don't think he was that great in the series against Calgary and moving into the other series. But now, no. you know, it kind of goes back to Chris Tanev, too, for Calgary. You kind of understand mm-hmm. why maybe they look the way that they did. So hopefully yep. good recovery time for Darnell Nurse. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jesse Pugliarvi, who has some contract negotiations with Ken Holland to go through as well. They both have shoulder injuries and Kaylor Yamamoto has a concussion. And welcome in to episode number 115 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Nick Maxson joining myself, Noah Grant. Nick, um, this might be the latest we've ever actually recorded a show. We're sitting here on Friday. Um, this show I is, think this is, yeah. Yeah, this show is coming out on Saturday. It is uh, 1137 <laughs> in the evening, um, which actually... Uh... Which actually, so I, I've been working eight shifts in nine days. This is my one day off uh, in between hospital work. And uh, this is actually like just the mid, mid-morning mid to maybe approaching noon for my regular day slash night, whatever you want to call it. So I will be wide awake all night. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, you not so much, unfortunately. You got the short end of the stick for tonight. Other tonight. than that. Tonight, ha. Huh? Other than that, uh, how, are you, <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> uh, well, without divulging too much, uh, a little stressed. Yeah. To be to be fair, um, you know it's well. well don't be. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Let me just decide. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, no. Honestly, it's 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 okay. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know there yeah. there's definitely some things that I've been working on and working through. Um, for the hockey ch- people out there, both on and off the ice. Haha, there you go. Um, <laughs> yes, not upper. It's not a lower. It's a mid-body injury. Yeah, it's stuck on that. Anyway, so. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but anyways, you know, um, Huskies season uh, was finally posted. So that was exciting news. Also, yeah. it sounds like the construction um, of getting rid of the analog scoreboard and the new digital ones has begun as well. So that's exciting for Huskies fans. Um for Caleb Peabody and not for Rico Blasi, um, the season does uh, begin again with St. Thomas. And um, unlike last season, the Gophers will be sort of the, um, what we call the holiday treat in between the, the first yeah. and second half of the season. So, uh, but I love it. That's, I was gonna say, there's one thing I'm excited about. They're keeping the Minnesota flavor, the local flavor, um, with the non-conference schedule, I think Wisconsin, yeah. the DACA, Minnesota State yeah. as well. Well, well so, why, why don't why don't we talk about the schedule? I did find it kind of since you, we're here. How about I, this? You you told me, hey, you know what gets you upset more if I just never if I just interrupted you again. <laughs> it's fine. You know, speaking oh, of interruptions, that too. was not anyway. that was not an interruption. Uh, that, that did you find it? Hum- yes. Did you find it humorous? Uh, um, that's a big word for you. Um, did you find it's, it? It's a big word for you anyway. <laughs> Did you find? Did you? Find, I mean, I know you are, but what am I? Did it's interesting. Call us, gonna cry about it. I don't care. 
Did you see the <laughs> press release for the men's team that they were like, men's team adds trio of transfers? And at first I was like, ooh, like, did, did we miss something? No, it's Dylan Anhorn, Dominic Bassey, and Grant Crookshank. It's just the official announcement for them. So, yeah, I thought it, I thought that was kind of uh, uh, interesting as well. Um, but like you mentioned, um, you know, this, the latest news, of course, is Heather Weems heading to the NCHC commissioner spot. But then after her. that, yeah, congratulations, sir. Then the men's hockey schedule was announced. So why don't we take a look at it while we're here? So St. Yeah. Thomas, St. Thomas again on uh, yep. October 1st and 2nd. Uh, first game uh, again. Um, let me and make then sure. they get a week off. Yeah, so this one is in St. Paul again. So it, they do a home and home again. Yes. Yeah. So pretty except much. Except it's St. Thomas first, I believe, right? Yeah. Except it's in it's in it's in St. Paul for the first one. Well, okay, so the XL again because they don't have a ring to play in, but sure. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, other, <laughs> and then after that, Wisconsin. Um, this one is in Madison this time. Of course, the Badgers yep. came here last time, so that makes sense. Um, I love it. I love yep. it. Then after establish the rivalry, I love it. Yeah. Then coming here instead of what was last year, um, Minnesota State Mankato, October twenty first yep. and twenty second. That's going to be at the Herbrook National Hockey Center. Bemidji State and St. Cloud. The next weekend is a home and home. First in Bemidji, then in St. Cloud, and then yep. we start some conference play. Denver to start November. That one's in Denver. St. Cloud's first conference action is um, everyone's favorite, Western Michigan. Um, and then we're going to follow. We're with- not Michigan, so they'll play. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Colorado College, November 18th and 19th. That one's in Colorado. And then North Dakota visits on my birthday, December 3rd, as well as December 2nd. That Ooh, one's going to be in, rats. in, I know, St. Cloud. And that, that that's kind of the prototypical one is that's when North Dakota usually visits the first weekend of December. And then finishing or we off. Are up there. One of the two. Yeah. And then finish it. Usually, usually the North Dakota one is, yeah, I suppose it's gone both ways. Um, and then, uh, won't fuss with me. And then right. <laughs> and then right before Christmas break, it's going to be Miami, um, that the Huskies, uh, will finish with to oh start to cap off the first half of the season. Second half starts with a home and home in St. Cloud on January 7th and in Minnesota, January 8th. That are, one, are Jersey tugs still allowed? How we'll see. We'll talk. We'll talk to Mike Schmidt since we had him on and <laughs> see what see what he see what he has to say. But uh, January seventh and eighth, that home and home series against the Golden Gophers. Then at home the following uh, weekend against Colorado College for some uh, conference action again. Actually, a four game homestand. Denver following after that before uh, the first matchup with Duluth. Not until the twenty seventh and twenty eighth of I've January. Done that a lot lately, where it's like we don't see Duluth until the second half. We see him twice in a very short span. So it's been a hot minute though. Uh, we're headed up to Duluth for the first matchup this uh this upcoming january that makes sense you know uh we needed some time off from duluth i think we've seen them enough over the past couple of years that's how they do it it's just like it's like your in-laws where you 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 just cram them all at once it's like you get to see them a week out of the year and it's all seven days in one short span and then you get the rest of the 300 and yeah 50 what the hell is that uh 58 days yeah. off yeah sure too, anyway too, mu- too much math starting and starting the first weekend of february miami does visit st cloud then a week off for the boys before they head up to grand forks to take on north dakota in the middle of february oh, and then traveling to omaha so a four-game road swing for the huskies as well i yep. believe they, they have only omaha and western once. michigan once yep yep and then they finish the season at home march 3rd and 4th with i guess minute. what well let me guess who uh, could it be the bulldogs i just i don't know yeah yeah, yeah geez we don't see a pattern there at all anyway yeah that's NC- great. I, I love it anyway yeah it's so. gonna be amazing ncaa quarterfinals march 10th through the 12th frozen face off the weekend after and then the ncaa's get rocking and rolling so nick i uh, any any anything you want to comment on the schedule obviously i think we're pretty stoked about the fact that the the holiday tournament time game is not a holiday tournament time. It's a straight up matchup against the golden Gophers in the middle of the season. 
And again, I, I'm I'm really excited for the non-conference schedule. Um, I mentioned that last year. I said, you know what? This is fantastic for everybody involved. Honestly, it's it's an, it's great for the fans. It's great for the the game. It's great for um, the, you know, the teams. Uh, honestly, the, you know, the the really big team that benefits is Wisconsin because my goodness, they could use a boost. But anyways, um, <laughs> um, no. But come on, don't give me that look. Anyway, <laughs> but no, seriously. Uh, I mean, St. Thomas. They're going to be much improved this year. They got a great yeah. recruiting class coming in. They're going to be, I believe, a hot ticket item as early as this year. I really think they're going to be a 500 squad. I really do. I think they're going to be that much improved. Uh, Wisconsin will be better esque kind of deal. Um, how about the, how about the fact that the game between St. Thomas and St. Cloud could have a single game higher attendance than any home game for the Arizona Coyotes this season? You're assuming Arizona is still in Arizona. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, probably. So uh, they are also limited. Don't don't get me off topic. But anyways, no. <laughs> I, honestly, I love the fact that they're continuing the home old WCJ flavor. That to me is the biggest thing. I wanted that from last year because I think it really drew fan interaction for the Big Ten, the CCHA, and the NCHC to have some of those old rivals back. And now that the NCAA has cleared in the rule book that you can schedule other NCAA teams as exhibitions. I think we've actually seen the end of your like uh, Alberta's your uh, giant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you're done with any of some of those Canadian colleges. I really do. So um, this is good for college hockey. And yeah. so at, at the end of the day, that's what my, what I'm most excited about again, with other than the fact that um, North Dakota, and again, and again, of course, anytime you play Duluth and you get to chat with Scott Sandlin, who is a gem of a human being, um, always great. That's a, yeah. that's a great matchup. Yeah, it should be good. Obviously, uh, excited to see how the next season rolls off. Current season going on in the NHL. Uh, game number six coming up, I believe, tomorrow night. Yes, uh, sir. On Saturday, or what will be today, if you're listening when the show first comes out. Well, you'll probably have the answer within a couple well, give of them days. Give them the date, or else they know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, that would be the 11th. Um, there you go. Hey, yeah. Um, so the question mark here is, Nick, is we're going to have the answer very shortly or maybe not so shortly, depending on how the Rangers perform in game number six. So right. um, I thought this was interesting. So before we answer the question, if does Tampa pull it off in six or seven games or do the Rangers push it all the way to seven and get the job done? I thought this was interesting. So John Tortorella um, actually sat still oh. for five seconds and answered questions. Um, Are you sure it was five? I thought it was like three and a half. Uh, the Athletics Joe Smith uh, must have tied him down with a straitjacket. But anyway, he talked about Fair that enough. that 2019 series where Columbus did sweep mm-hmm. uh, the Lightning, and he said he said this quote, and I'm going to read it word for word. Um, you know, just because I thought it was interesting to just hear it raw. So he said, "quote We created a monster." Um, I don't think that it was X's and O's. I think it was a mindset that 2019 lightning team was all world when it came into the playoffs. And I don't think they respected us. Sometimes you've got to eat it. And when you eat it, you might still be stubborn and not want to change anything hinting at when the lightning lost that series. Correct. They ate it and realized they had to change and play a little differently. They changed some personnel and it's a true credit to their organization that was willing to swallow a little bit of pride and say, you know what we've got to change. And I, you know, I truly wonder, you know, this Tampa Bay team has always been good, really kind of going back since maybe the 2014 Stanley Cup final uh, where they are 2015, where they lost to uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, uh, nope. That was who uh, the Los Angeles. No, no wait. 2014. 
2015. You said 14, didn't and you? Then I, and then I clarified 2015. 2014 was the Kings. 2015 yep. was that Stanley Cup final because Ben Bishop got hurt in game number one. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about some more Stanley Cup final history. I was trying to smoke you, but he didn't let me anyway. <laughs> in the extra ice <laughs> session. But, you know, here's the thing. Tampa has always been good. They haven't gotten over the hump. Are they back-to-back Stanley Cup champions on the verge of potentially three-peating? Yes. If, if that series doesn't happen. You know... That's a fantastic question. Um, since when do you ask a you know detailed questions like this? Anyway, well, well, because because so, we got we got Torts here. He doesn't want fun in the game. Torts he wants the right. X's and O's. The, I, there is something to be said there um, because, mind you, that Tampa Bay winning squad set the record for sixty-two regular season wins. That team was a hell of a regular season team. In fact, a record-setting one. Yeah. And again, it shows. A couple of things. It shows that in the Stanley Cup playoffs, whether it's round one or the Stanley Cup final, it does not matter who is there. You have a chance to win every single night. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, no question, after they sort of... Let's go back to game one in that series. No, I think this is important. They had a multi-goal lead, and you could see them sort of essentially put it in cruise control. Columbus Mm -hmm. said, um, bleep that, for lack of better terms, and yeah. we're not out of this. And they stole the show. They surprised Tampa. And Tampa was like, you guys were dead in the water. What the hell happened here? Yeah. Um, and they came back and won that series. And yeah, you they did create a monster. They And to be fair, this one thing to awaken the beast, which they did. It's another thing for the beast to learn from their mistakes. And there we've seen how many times that an organization has had their wake up call per se, but hasn't answered it. Right. And I, yeah. I it's, it's two ways. And I think that Joe Smith, uh, you know, sort of did this brilliantly because you, you had to make some personnel changes, um, whether it's John Cooper as a coach and maybe some systematic changes or just how you have to approach um, late round Stanley cup, you know, playoff games or even first round. Right. Yeah. You, you have to understand that every game is a battle and you have to win every inch of ice. And I think, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, when you're that good in the regular season, it you didn't matter. You didn't win a single freaking game in the playoffs. It that took their record-setting regular season and basically turned it into dust, and no one cares and no one will remember it. It just yeah. and, and we're already what three years removed, and that's it. Yeah. So they and no, were, one, and no one and no one knows and no one cares. Yeah. So they were they had a, a seven five six winning percentage, which is absurd. Um, oh, they really? they uh, were first in league in goals and they were fifth in goals against entering that series. Right. Like you mentioned, they dropped that three to nothing lead and lost four, three in game number one. Nick, I'm curious games two through four. What was the lightning's goal differential? Do you have any idea in that series? It wasn't much. If I recall, it was like maybe what minus four dash 10. They were outscored 15 really? to five. I, I forgot about this. They I lost forgot that too. They lost game two, five to one. They lost game three, three to one, and they lost game four, seven to three. Now, granted, a couple of those goals in game four might have been empty nets, you know, trying trying to claw back into that series. But nonetheless, kind of an interesting uh, throwback into history. So they've recuperated, quite obviously. Obviously. Get it recuperated. Um, uh, John Cooper, for those who were curious about that horrible pun right there. Um, But nonetheless, they are potentially one game away from punching their ticket to their third straight Stanley Cup final. The New York Rangers stand in their way. Um, Does Tampa... Remember, they were there in... No, they weren't. Third. Third. 
18 you're right hold yeah, on in 19 yeah there's a there, there's a button at the bottom that says leave studio feel free to hit it at any time um i will actually the question is do the new york rangers hit the leave studio button and are they done does tampa bay get it done in six do they get it done in seven or can the rangers find a way through them in seven games they can um because if, if you look at the last couple of games they've been close i mean yeah. again tampa in game five um, went ahead in the final minute of the third period. It was a deflection off of Andre Pallad in front of the net. Again, Mikhail Sergachev. Some, some clutch, right? And this has been the goaltending matchup that we thought we would see, Noah. Um, Sisterkin versus Vasilevsky, uh, both goaltenders coming up big. Um, it's been really fun to watch. This is, again, we, we looked at this series and we said this has the makings of go six or seven games. We're going to get our wish to at least game six. Um can the Rangers do it? The answer is yes. It's going to be a tough road. Uh, they're going to have to play almost a perfect game six. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky and the Tampa Bay Lightning at home have been very, very tough to beat. And I think this is where the experience with Tampa, you mentioned going back to the Columbus series. They know that when they had the proverbial beast um, on the ground to curb stomp the F out of them, honestly. So um, they have the opportunity, and you don't want to go back to MSG um, and give the Rangers another shot at this. So it's going to be tough. Now, the kid line for the Rangers is going to be uh, going to be huge in terms of getting them there. Uh, that's what Philip Heedle, Lafreniere, and uh, who am I missing? Oh yeah. Oh, no. Andrew Cop. Andrew yeah. Cop. Yes. Um, they were they they've been very absent in the last couple of games for the Rangers. Um, Gerard Gallant and that vicious forecheck has not had the same punch in the last couple of games. They're going to have to get back to that. And uh, even with Tampa, I mean, geez, Ryan McDonough out for the majority of the third period um, in last game, uh, they've been able to survive it. And uh, you talk about, again, going back to the original comment, have they created a beast? Yeah, because it doesn't matter who is in the lineup. It doesn't matter who is not in the lineup. This Tampa Bay Lightning squad uh, can sustain and get over any sort of person that's in or out of the lineup. And they've got themselves in a position who've won three straight to go back on home ice and Amelie, a very tough place to play and have a chance to wrap up uh, this series uh, in six games. Um, now, if I don't recall correctly, did somebody on this show predicted rain uh, lightning in six? Who was that? Yeah. Well, here's, the, <laughs> here's, here's the thing that's interesting. And we, we, it's, kinda, it's not, a, and I will admit it's not as clear cut as, as it is. No, it's not, you know, it, but it is underlying statistically it, you're seeing the trends in the right direction. Now last game was kind of an anomaly, but of course this reference again from the Steve Dangle podcast, I yes. going through this series, but so June 1st was game one of this series. The Tampa Bay lightning yep. had 28 giveaways to the Rangers 23. Okay. Not Yeah. All right, not, two days two days later on the third, they had 22 giveaways compared to the Rangers, 29, but still quite a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Two days later, Tampa Bay had six giveaways. Yes. Two days after that, they had nine giveaways. And then after that, yesterday's game, they had 14 giveaways, but the Rangers had 27. Mm -hmm. So um, granted, in some of those games, like one of them, yeah, the Rangers had four giveaways and the other one, the Rangers had three. But you're talking about... Tampa Bay, especially in round number one against the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, it, it felt like it took them a while to get going, but really what, 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 but what Tampa also does is Tampa Bay and John Cooper and his staff are so calculating into making the adjustments that had to be made. And there's so much buy-in within that room as to what has to change. And they talked about it going back to John Tortorella's comments about that 2019 series, as he said, 
our only plan against that high-flying Tampa team was to just try to limit their odd man rushes, their transitional speed, and see if they would get frustrated. And that's all it took for a dynamically offensive team to kind of falter. Shut down, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now you're trying to highlight, you know, what are the New York Rangers' strengths, what do they do effectively, and how can you counter that? Because the goaltending battle is what it's going to be. You have two great goaltenders. You have so many high-flying weapons. I, I would dare say that Tampa probably has a little bit more weapons than the Rangers do, but the Rangers have come a long way in such a, such a short span with the signings of Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider's year that he's had, and so many guys jumping yeah. into the limelight. So um, it's going to be interesting. Game six, I'm not particularly sure. I'm going to stick with my Rangers because I think that they're going to they're going they're going to get the job done. Um, and no one else is going to get hit in the face when they're walking through the concourse because that's ridiculous. Oh wow. Um, wow yeah if you haven't gotten a chance to see that definitely go check that out but i think the rangers still get it done in seven nick i'm assuming you're going lightning in six i i gotta stick with my horses bro uh All and right. again it, it, on home ice that's a tough that's a tough task and you gotta wonder too it's not like this was one one then two two this is three straight wins for the lightning and you gotta wonder where the rangers mentality is at um if, if i'm a rangers fan i'm a little bit concerned that way because and again it's not like they've been losing by large margins they've been close games yeah. and it's it's almost i think in, in terms of former hockey players like you and i can attest to that those are almost tougher because it's like if you get your butt whipped it's like okay yeah that hurt but okay let's go back to the drawing board yeah. when it's close it's like okay but what did we do wrong yeah. it was one glance off of a, yeah. it was one bounce and that was yeah. it so it should be interesting nick uh I two more questions here in the main portion of the show um really what is the Stanley Cup final like for both of these squads against Colorado? And, and really, really moreover, who really has the better chance coming out of this series to take down the Avalanche? Or do the Avalanche have this thing locked up? It, well, first of all, as we know as hockey players, nothing's ever locked in the Stanley Cup final. Um, but this is going to sound funny, but the Rangers actually have a better chance, in Ooh. my opinion. Um, they're just their younger team. They got better legs. Um I think that their forecheck mimics what Colorado likes to do. You almost have to fight fire with fire with Colorado. I think the Rangers system under Gerard Gallant actually has a better sustainable uh, chance to beat. I think the high flying Colorado avalanche. Now, again, that's the hockey nerd in me, but again, Tampa just, it's, it's not like there's no quit in them. It's not like, but they just, they've been there, done that. Now, I don't think they've ever faced a beast that it's going to come down their throat if they end up pulling it off tomorrow. Um, Or as, as Noah, Noah Grant likes to say today, for those who are listening um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, for Colorado, because again, they're just so high flying. They're just so offensively driven. Now, one thing that's going to hurt them a bit is the, the absence of Nazem Kadri. My goodness, that's a huge loss down the middle in their second line. You kind of wonder how Jared Bednar and the avalanche are going to adjust to that. But I do think on paper, at least the Rangers, in terms of just their youth and their speed, um, especially that kid line. That kid line is so fun to watch. Um, That, to me, is sort of an X factor. Um, But again, Tampa is proving that, again, smart, good, experienced hockey can sometimes trump that. And you kind of wonder if Tampa's back-to-back cups and the way that that you mentioned, they've been able to adjust and, and be able to shut down offensive, you know, forces they did it with toronto which leads me to believe can they do it with colorado they probably can now it's going to be a six or seven game series if that's the case but i don't know it's 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 going to be tough and that's what i love about the stanley cup final is that you just don't know 
You just don't know if there's no clear cut favorite. And that's what makes Stanley Cup playoff hockey so intriguing is that you don't really have, even with Colorado, are they on paper the absolute clear cut favorite? Probably. Uh, but again, experience and bounces and what do the rest call it? Hockey plays? Yeah. Is that what it is? Sometimes you just, that's just the way things happen. So it, whoever comes out of that against Colorado is going to have their hands full regardless. Yeah. Um, well, just, you know, if the puck's dumped in the corner, if you're an official, just don't kick it to somebody. Um, right. You, you know, the interesting thing about this too, you talk about the Nazem Kadri piece. How about if the Lightning do get through this series and they get Braden Point back? That's huge for them. Too. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is that the Lightning, we mentioned with Ryan McDonough, right? They've been able to win and be successful. It doesn't matter who comes out or who's in the lineup. I mean, they've been yeah. able to adjust and adapt um, to pieces that are missing. And Braden Point, you it's funny how, and I think maybe this is a Minnesota Wild fan, like maybe sort of mishap is that when a Kaprizov goes down or in the past, a Koivu or a Brunette or a, dare I say, Nancy Miaden goes down, it was like, yeah. we're done. This is over. Whereas yeah. true Stanley Cup contenders can, can they can absorb that type of loss. They can yeah. adjust and they can go, yeah, that's a big piece, but... And- and, and, that's okay. where, and that's where we talked about the Minnesota Wild. You know, the, the time when Darcy Kemper gets hurt in game seven, they come back, need a need rider scores with, you know, I, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Why can't I think I can see his face? Uh, cool. Brzgalov. There we go. Ilya Brzgalov. You know, and, and they go to overtime in game six for Stanchion Gate with Patty Kane, one oh, game gosh. away from pushing yeah. that second round game to, to a game seven. You know, that was the team that you look at on paper. You know, that, not that they weren't, they weren't bad by any means, no. but there was, but there was a team that they, they were down two to nothing in that series. Mikhail Gramlin scores the game winner to make it one to nothing in overtime in game number three at the XL. They right. push their way. They claw back to a two, two tie. They lose game five. They win game six decisively at home. They were down at, they did not carry a lead in game seven at any point at what used to be the Pepsi center in Colorado um, until Jared, then Jared Spurgeon ties it up until Neon Riders game winner in overtime. There was so much about that from team. Danny Healy of all people. Yeah. You know, and he also scored in that game as well too. So oh, no, Brodziak was the primary assist. Sorry. Yeah. Danny Healy had the goal in the second period, but, second, um, yep. but you know, it's interesting that, you know, you have so many of these elements that go in sometimes there's something to be said with puck luck and you're feeling it and good teams find a way and find that luck too. But you kind of have to play with, it's not reckless abandon, but you have to play loose. You have to play, play in a way that you, you trust the process. And I think for Minnesota sports fans in general, the the tension does not allow you to trust the process. No. Tampa took a long time for their organization to figure that out. And once they finally figured it out, it's been very effective for them. And I yes. think you look at the team, a team like the New York Rangers under Gerard Gallant, you look at what Gerard Gallant did with the Vegas Golden Knights too. Wow. You know, those are teams that are young teams or, you know, recently coming into their own and they play a structured and definitive style, but they play it in yep. a way that's relaxed and free flowing. And that's what you have to be too. Now the Rangers haven't gotten bounces in the last three games. That's for no, sure. They have not for sure. But, but beyond that, you know, what got them to this point is, you know, kind of playing with that mentality of being a young guy and, and acting like you have the swagger to be able to make a play, not overly yep aggressive and confident but enough to make a play so um we've seen plenty of teams get burned by that too so my final question for you nick um what team if you could pick any west or east doesn't matter from the stanley cup final that is now currently out missed their window to win a stanley cup this year because they were just that good florida florida okay now you want me to say the minnesota wild but 
screw you. I'm not going to go that <laughs> route. Um, which honestly also is in the conversation. Let's be fair. Yeah. Um, but at the end of it, when you talk about missing a window, right? Uh, Florida, it's funny that I mentioned them. And I say that's funny because um, caution Panther traffic. And yes, for those who live in Florida, that's an actual road sign. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to Florida, Noah? Yeah. Well, if you go to Minneapolis, it's cougar traffic, if you know what I mean. Ah, anyway, I don't, I don't go on those websites. Anyway, so, <laughs> Farmers uh, only, man. Oh, good. Oh, goodness. So no, but if, if you go to Marco Island, there's, if, if you go across uh, from the highway, you will literally yeah. see yellow signs that say Panther. Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm over, overdoing this one, but seriously, <laughs> um, Florida, as good as they were offensively, they actually had a lot of red flags for the game. They got down early in games. Yes. They were able to come back, but it's like, this is not a sustainable playoff practice. Um, it was where they just had too many slow starts. Um, so as much as Florida missed an opportunity, I almost want to say that because yes, they're the, the reigning president's trophy winners, Noah. Yeah. They almost shouldn't be. Uh, if you take away the amount of times they had to come back. And when I say come back, it was like three or four gold deficits. They had to come back from. Yeah. Um, it gave you some hope as a Panther fan. Cause you go, my goodness, this team can almost score a will, but, what the hell is taking you so long to get to period two that you ha- you're waiting this long, right? Um, and when you get to the playoffs, as you know, that you have to those slow starts they cost you, and they did cost them in the second round against Tampa when they got well swept to the freaking uh, you know Gulf of Mexico per se, um, or in Miami's case that'd be mm. the Atlantic Ocean. Anyways, I know my geography, so <laughs> <laughs> um, but to that same trick, the Minnesota Wild. I think missed a glorious opportunity. I'm going to go with the number two because number one, you talk about the balance of that roster. Very, very balanced roster. Um, you talk about how I think just there was some stubbornness there by the coaching staff to make changes. And it sucks because I don't know what, for those who still complain about Kirill Kaprizov, seven goals, I think nine or 10 points total. I think he yeah. did all that he could. Seven goals, uh, one assist. Yep. yep. Uh, how Kevin Fiala was absent. Who? And, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, who? Who that? Anyway, <laughs> new new phone. Who this? His name is yeah. not Bill Guerin. Anyway, so <laughs> um, he is likely on his way out. And I, and again, and I want to bring this guy too, because how about Matt Dumba too? And I say that not because necessarily he's defensive, style because there was definitely some warning flags about how about over the last couple of seasons since his uh, chest injury, he's not been the same offensive threat either. And you, you kind of wonder too with Minnesota because there's, there's such a peculiar situation with the cap recapture penalties with buying out the Sudri and Parisi contracts. Um, And again, Bill Guerin has a game plan. Yeah. We don't know what that is as of yet, but they missed a glorious opportunity. Now, granted, the way that St. Louis and the Craig Berube play is that's a matchup nightmare for the Minnesota wild. But regardless, uh, I think after game three, when they took a two to one series lead, they absolved. I think St. Louis is, you know, I'm going to just run and take your head off type approach. I really thought that that was a stepping stone for this organization. I really did. Um, and they just sort of fell flat the last couple of games. And that was disappointing to me. Uh, no, I'm curious to know, I know the Minnesota Wild are on your list, but I'm curious if it's a, another team on your list as well. So Nashville was not very good. Um, no. But if you would have asked me at the at the end of the regular season, um, I, I think if you would have told me at the end of the regular season that this team was not going to win a cup, I think 
on paper, on paper, Calgary might have been the biggest disappointment because of That's the way fair. the way that they performed in the playoffs. Yeah, I think if you look strictly from a postseason play point of view, for me, Toronto was the biggest one, and yep. because of the fact that they were one shot away in Game Six, one goal away in Game Seven from so, tying yep. it, or one inter- interference penalty, and you know. Oh, God. You just well, triggered all Canadian fans, but well, you're not wrong. You're you not know, wrong. You know, and right. It, you know, it, it, they, they were such a good team this year and they were a good team in the playoffs. They didn't they choke this year. And we've talked no. about it so much on this show, but you know, I would just, you know, as much as I know, a lot of people like to give them a hard time. How much would you have liked if it wasn't Tampa Bay against the Rangers, which has been a fantastic series. And to be honest, out of all the teams that have had a have repeated and have a chance to uh, threepeat, if you will, Tampa has been an exciting, fun team to watch. Like you don't watch them and you don't you don't hate them. You really respect the way that they run their process. Yes, they do. Um, you know, but how if it wasn't the Lightning, how much would you like to honestly see the Toronto Maple Leafs playing the Rangers right now for Game Six to go to a Stanley Cup Final for the first time since what nineteen forty three? This is big market. That would be fantastic. Yeah, you know, fantastic. Honestly, and yeah. you're right. Like that's if there's one good thing that came out of the East, other besides that every single team that made the playoffs was over a hundred points. And we talked about the Bruins and how it's like, how the hell are you fourth in the division? You have 107 points. What the hell? Yeah. Um. But going back to it, I mean. As you mentioned, Toronto, oh boy, I know that it's easy to say, well, another first round exit. But again, as you mentioned, it wasn't like it, it was it wasn't it was, another it was, one. In, no, in that it fashion, was not. You know? It wasn't like, you know, what was it back in two thousand and was it eleven? When they gave up a 13. three goal lead, was it thirteen? Yeah, uh, three goal lead again to drop it in Game Seven, and who would have thought Patrice Bergeron with the <laughs> dagger uh, into the back of the the Maple Leafs? But yeah, um, you know, they really were in it. It was a game of bounces for the Maple Leafs this year, um, and a big show to that was ownership said Dubas, you're sticking around, so was Sheldon Keith, and at least as of right now. Now, granted, free agency hasn't really kicked mm-hmm. off yet. We haven't really seen at least publicly any indication that major changes are coming, yeah. and which which shows that there's, as Kyle Dubas said this point last year, I believe in the squad, and I, I think he's right. You know, yeah. I, I, and, and and I think. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was also going to say, you know, the only change really, it would have been really cool to see Jason Spezza get one last crack mm-hmm. at a Stanley Cup too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, his only shot, I believe, was 07 with the Sens. I Sens, think, he, yeah. I oh. think he was in the league at that point. So he was. He was with the Senators, um, and uh, that was a loss against was it Detroit? Yeah, Anaheim. That's. Who was the Ottawa went to the Cup final that year. It was the first. It was the first time since the mid '90s that two teams who had that never was, that who was had Anaheim, never played, that's right. yeah. who had never been in a Stanley Cup final met each other. Um, the only reason I know that is because Dustin Penner, who ended up being a three-time Dustin Stanley Penner, Cup champion, right. actually played at the same college that I played college hockey, and so kind of cool too. But um, beyond cool story, that, bro, yeah, sweet flex, right? Um, beyond that, why don't we talk about some uh, Stanley Cup final history? We're definitely gonna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're head out of the extra ice session. Um, it is after hours. This is uh, the Hustle yeah, this, House this podcast is after, hours, after, yes. after dark here. So, um, yeah, we are just after midnight. So technically, we're on the same day as show release, Nick. I can now say today. Um, that's new for you. Oh, look at that. Uh, well, edit edit that crap out. Yeah. Well, well, it's the f bombs I had to edit out earlier for those of you uh, who don't know. But nonetheless, Whoops. um, it, it is <laughs> June, it is June 11th. We're gonna take a rewind back in history on our extra ice session to talk about some Stanley Cup final history.
and welcome into the Extra Ice Session. Myself, Noah Grant, alongside uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Maxson, who is in a very cheery... Who take out the legend part and you got it right, but... Yeah, legendary is... It could be good or bad legends. I mean, legend is legend, No, You know, like... No, legend's usually like a, a, you know, at least synonymous with something good so man the myth that's that seems fitting anyway uh things that aren't myth you know what's interesting um if you go back so what's not interesting is that there's a i go back for the news so be careful yeah there there (laughs) what's what's not interesting is there's a wikipedia page for every single stanley cup final just like there is for every ncaa ice hockey tournament that has ever been historically and wikipedia is the the epitome for all things that are accurate but sure you know (laughs) it's interesting though if i was a stanley cup winner and kind of wanted to read a little bit if you go through some of those pages you know, just like a particular years, you can get some little tidbits that like, I didn't even know about any of those Stanley cup finals. You go back and jog your memory and there's actually some pretty good synopsis. What's the plural of synopsis synopses um, of some of these, uh, you know, the different uh, matchups in the different rounds and stuff. It's kind of cool. Uh, if you get a chance, just, just type in like 2012 Stanley cup playoffs and um, it'll kind of give you some information, but what we're going to do here on this show um, okay. we're going to talk about our, um, most shocking or iconic moments of a Stanley cup final, um, in a specific season or during, uh, the run of that winning team in that year, essentially, yeah. um, since 1996. So, um, I do obviously have the list up, list up here. I have, um, I have a lot of choices actually. I have a lot of, a lot of things here, but, um, mm-hmm. um, are there, are there any that kind of stick out to you first? I mean, I'll, I'll kind of go down yes. my list, obviously, but I want to hear yours first, and then I'll kind of pick up pick up some of the spots. Let's go back to before you were born, uh, which isn't that far. How about 99 <laughs> and the Dallas Stars fiasco yep, with the one. Golden Brett in the crease, right? So for those who are like, what the hell are you talking about, Nick? So in today's NHL, if the puck is in the crease, you as a player can be in the crease. Back in 99... That wasn't the case. You couldn't be in the crease as a player for any reason. Yep. So it was. it's interesting because he was in the crease with his right skate, then they kind of maybe scooted it out, and then maybe as he jammed the puck in, it was in again. Um, again, this is coming against Dominic Hasek, the dominator in the Buffalo Sabres. We talked about them a couple points in the show. Yeah. Um, that was controversial. Um, and mind you, on the ice and during the setup, it really wasn't mentioned there until like it was coming back for replay, but the league itself really didn't look at that one um, and really address it. So at least to me, that's a big one. Um, how about this yeah. 2000? Um, how about the overtime winner, Jason Arnett, New Jersey Devils um, yeah. against the same Dallas Stars, <laughs> um, a blind backhand pass through the seam and um, Eddie the Eagle, what the hell are you doing? But yeah. um, uh, and honestly, it's kind of a blur from there, but how about the most, goofy stand like a final 06 Edmonton versus Carolina. Yeah. Um, that was yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I've got some tidbits about that. If we want to run it back sure. here. So we did go from 1996. The reason I picked that year is because that's when I was born. Um, Good so, you. yeah. So actually, actually the, when the Colorado avalanche, um, beat the Florida Panthers, uh, four to nothing in that series, the last time that Florida had group. the last time that Florida had actually ever won, um, a game in the Stanley cup playoffs. I wasn't even alive yet. So how about that one Um, before this year? So, so I actually have one from 97 and 98 Detroit's back to back um, victories against Philadelphia and Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, How about the fact that um, 
as we go back there, you know, in, in that summer after 97, it was actually Vladimir Konstantinov and Slava yeah. Fetisov that, yep. that, that were in that accident along with the team masseuse and that limo injury. Um, and Konstantinov uh, was pretty much on a ventilator and ended up being in a wheelchair. And then the Red Wings win again in 1998 and Fetisov brings him the cup on the ice. I mean, that's uh, chills, you know, yeah. an, an iconic moment moment as well. So that well means too. if you like chills, O one and Raymond Bork with the Colorado Avalanche, yeah, that's got to be on your list. Yeah, well, that I mean that that was pretty good too. I mean, like we mentioned, uh, you know, New Jersey won in two thousand, like you mentioned, Jason Arnett. Um, O one was the Avs. O two, Detroit again. How about two thousand three as well, pushing it mm, forward? The Devils won this Devils. series, but. But game six off the floor on the board, Paul Korea. Paul Korea. Yeah. And that's a moment that's iconic because it would never happen today. It would never nope. even remotely happen with concussion protocol. Nope. Um, your personal favorite, I think, 2004, the parallax goal that never actually mm, went in. Yep. Uh, Marty St. Louis scores the game winner in game six to send it back to Tampa. And then Ruslan fed a tank away, wild pickup at yep. one point, uh, scoring twice in game seven to give Tampa Bay its first ever Stanley Cup. So Yeah, and did you know um, that that year and then the subsequent lockout that was actually the end of the two line pass rule in the nhl yes it was um is- yes that was also the introduction of the shootout yeah yes isn't, so isn't that crazy but you mentioned that carolina series which was where we were headed so um yes carolina carolina, carolina was kind of a Rod wagon yeah and there rod brindamore captaining that team of course uh, former st Louis state husky matt cullen on that as well as brett hedekin um you know and, uh, who was the who was the game six hero in the East final for Carolina? Oh, oh my gosh. I hear the call. The thing that, the thing that's interesting, the thing that's interesting to me, oh, um, going to piss me off. Hold on. The thing that's interesting to me is um, Carolina was always a good team. How Edmonton got there was crazy. Cause they got Walker. Yeah. Scott that's Walker. who it was. And the, and they um and the Oilers rode on the back of Dwayne Rolison throughout the first three rounds and of that series, and then he Alashevsky. got hurt. Yeah, and then he got hurt, and UC Markinen was the one that had to come in and finish that series out. Interestingly enough, here's a Wikipedia one here for you, Nick. Oh boy, the team that won the opening faceoff in every game of the Stanley Cup Final that year won the game. Cool. I believe it's the only time in history that that's happened. Interesting uh interesting i think it's okay i'm gonna go on a rant here <laughs> i mean it's it's funny yeah yeah are we really are we reaching for that many stupid f-ing stats pardon me yes you can bleep that out um now you're but, gonna make now you're gonna make me work i more. know i'm sorry but okay <sighs> but but honestly like i mean it's like the same thing in football like oh the the team that, what's a, what's a catch yeah well, besides that, um, <laughs> they still nobody knows really at this point. But the team that caught the ball at the twenty yard line in the opening kickoff won the Super Bowl. But but if you but if you think about it though, who cares? But think about it though. Think about how much that actually probably doesn't happen over a series like over it's a, a seven fifty over a seven no game series. Either one team's winning the faceoff. Or the I found ones. it interesting and I enjoyed it. Uh, okay, cool. Two thousand seven, the Ducks <laughs> beat the Sens. We talked about yep. that. Um, Oh, it is the Red Wings, Red Wings, Penguins, and, and then and the then Hawks. Penguins. And I had the Red Wings, Penguins, and Hawks in here solely because of the reason that do you remember that period of time? 
Poor Marion Hosa. Yep. Yeah. Went from one to the other. He was on the wrong end of both <laughs> freaking times. That actually was funny to me because, mind you, Marion Hosa and Ilya Kolchek were Atlanta Thrasher's property at one point. Yeah. Um, that was with Dustin Bufflin. Let's see. Was it yeah, Slater? Um, who was the other big Winnipeg? Um, Dustin Bufflin was on that team. Yes, he was. No, but there was a, a Buff. There was a captain for Winnipeg that came over from Atlanta. I'm trying to remember his Andrew Lett. name. Andrew Lett. No, he was later. It was the original. It was the original captain. Oh, he came from gosh. Atlanta. Oh my goodness, that's gonna bug me. Um. Anyway, but my point is, yeah, Marion Hosa on the odd end of the Detroit, right? Yeah. Cause he was, yeah. Cause he was, he, he was on he was, that. Yeah. He, he was, was on, on Detroit. Opposite, he was on the opposite side of, and then yeah. went to, yep. And then penguin losing to the Chicago Blackhawks in 10. So yeah, just couldn't quite find the right side of the coin there, but, and then unfortunately, Rafi Torres from the right side of Marion Hosa, but that's a different story. But anyways, you're not, uh, you're not talking about Scott Mellonby. Are you? No. You know, it's funny. So I so I searched um, captains for Atlanta because it's not a long list. Um, really? Um, uh, was it Steve Stales, Ray Ferraro? No. no. Um, Scott Mellon, Bobby Holik? No. Well, that's it. I mean, I mean, Colby, no, Col- I Col- Colby Armstrong was technically. No, it wasn't in- Colby Armstrong. Andrew Ladd's been the only one. No. Tob- Tobias Enstrom. I'm telling Enstrom, you, I'm looking, no. I'm looking at the list. Like, I'm literally looking at the list. And that's it. And maybe he was a maybe he was an assistant. I'm looking um, at the assistant too, and there's nobody here that pops up. I will see. I will know the name when I see it. Uh, okay, I can uh, read them off for you. Bufflin Bogosian. No, wasn't Bogosian. Ron Hazy, Nikolai nope. Antropov. Nope. Uh, they train. Yep. Nicholas Havlid. Havlid. Have no. All right, now we're getting back in the 2000s here. Vyacheslav Kozlov. No. Peter Bondra. Patrick no, Stefan. Not Stefan. Yeah, Stefan. He's not. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't have yeah. a, a non-goal to his yeah. name at all. Uh, Scott McEachern. McEachern. I forget his name. That's it, dude. <laughs> so um, hold on. I'll, I'll find it. Hold on. I'm looking at the final roster. Not not Stewart. Not Cormier. <laughs> I'm trying on. to got, think. I'm it. trying to think. Was Dustin Bufflin oh, the last? Stewart Welch. Was was Dustin Bufflin the last active? Oh, that's right. Patrick Riss Miller was on this squad too. Uh, it was was it? Uh, maybe it is Jim Slater that I'm thinking. Oh, Brian Little. That's oh, who Brian I'm thinking. Little. Yeah, that's who I'm he, thinking. He, was, of. he wasn't a captain, but yeah. I thought he was a casting. Yeah, Bermistrov. Remember Alex Bermistrov? Oh, uh, the um, NHL doesn't. Um. <laughs> anyway, Nigel, yeah. Well, neither does Nigel Jaws, but that's fine. Radic Devorak, Devor- also former Coyote. Yeah, on that as well. Holy cow! Yeah, him and Redeem Verbata were, were two underrated wow, players for yeah. the Coyotes. Really but Verbata, I wanted for a couple of offseason acquisitions, but anyways, the, the Coyotes, uh, you know, kind of in the early 2010s were pretty decent. I put the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, you know, the scandal afterwards, I think, kind of puts them in this conversation. Obviously, I would agree, know, yeah. knowing what we know now, but also, what a weird way to end a Stanley Cup drought, not knowing if that goal was in or not. Like Patty Kane was the only one I to know. score that. Right. So kind of interesting. 2011. I uh, watched that game in 2010 <laughs> against Philadelphia. And I actually originally thought it was in, yeah. um, but it wasn't until like they showed replays and they were like, where the hell is the puck? And I'm like, yeah, wait, did I see that? Right. And sure enough, it's like, yeah, you know, that, that did go yeah. in. It went five hole. But anyways, 
so we're getting into my high school years now, 2011, uh, Vancouver and Boston. Um, how about this series? That that hit Aaron Roma, Nathan Horton completely oh boy. changed the series. Yeah. Um, because Vancouver was pretty much in the driver's seat until this power play and subsequent. Yep. Um, but but I remember that Nathan Horton, geez, what a, what an unfortunate end to his career that they had. But Boston, yeah. Tuka Rask was actually a part of that team, and uh, was. Tim Thomas. You remember Tim Thomas and his? Uh, remember when every you those, okay, you want to know some dumb stats? Every home team in that series won except for Game Seven. Did you? Uh, there you go. What what used to be the uh, you remember the commercials that Tim Thomas used to be in? Oh, what, what was that? it? Was it was it Discover where it was like the cab driver who like had pictures of Tim Thomas? And, was that Enterprise? Oh, it might have been. I think it was Enterprise. Those were so. Cheesy, I think it was Enterprise. Well, does it's the NHL in the early two thousand? They were terrible. So yeah, but what bad marketing directing? We'll put it that way. <laughs> what an interesting career Tim Thomas had. Twenty twelve, the mm. LA Kings. Um, how about this? I, Whoa. you know, obviously as an eight seed, dude, they walked all over the Vancouver Canucks. As they walked over a lot of people. Yeah, it was four to one in that. Um, a name that was on this team that was not on the 2014 two years later. Can you guess what name I might mention? And it had nothing to do with his hockey play. Defenseman. Oh, shit. Um, <clears throat> Still plays international hockey. Give me a second. You're talking about for the Kings? Yeah. Oh, for God's Actually sake. was a really good player for them. Had a domestic violence dispute. Slava Voinov. Slava Voinov, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was an yep. integral part of that series. So um, kind of interesting. The Kings, the first eight seed, I believe, to win a Stanley Cup. Correct, they were. Mistaken. Because so, and didn't they, it was 4-1, then didn't they sweep the second round? Oh, I don't have the second round up, unfortunately. I but, thought that I thought they only lost like two or three games in the entire preliminary yeah, rounds. They beat they beat Vancouver handily four to yeah. one in the first round, which Vancouver, I believe, won the West that year. I mean, they, they did, were that, yeah. They were, they, were the, good. they were the president's trophy winner, if I recall that year. Yeah. So 2013, Chicago versus Boston, two goals in 36 seconds. Uh Stu yeah. Bickle and then David Bull. And of course, David Stu Bickle Bullen. now now uh um I forget what what does Stu Bickle have again? Um he has uh, MS, I think. I th- is it MS? Uh, I, I don't want to get this wrong, so I want to look it up here. Um, but that this was this was kind of the time where you know Chicago and uh, LA kind of went back and forth because the next year Alec Martinez right. played Hero twice because yeah. that was the year that against first, the Jervals. Well, uh, first the first the uh, um, the Kings were down three, three to three to nothing against uh, the San Jose Sharks, and the Kings came back. Yep. And then Alec Martinez scored in game seven against Chicago and then scored in game five against the Rangers yep. to take, take that. Um, do you remember where you were when you were watching that game? Cause that's, that's, you know, I don't, I don't I think hold. that goal gets a lot of love for how, how sick it was, especially on home ice. Yeah, no, I think it was a home watching that. And that was a sickle. That was sick. Yeah. You know, just uh, a nice little setup. And I mean, that's, that's a pure hockey play too. Um, right. I'm trying to think. Was it Stu Bickle? I I can't I can't find it unfortunately. Um, so if someone knows in the comments, definitely let us know. Um, I think it was Stu Bickle. No, Brian Bickle. That's what I'm thinking of. Brian Bickle. Brian Bickle. You mean that that cross crease setup from Taves? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that Brian, was that was Brian, Brian Bickle. Yeah, it was Brian Bickle, and then Dave Boland scored the game winner like yeah. half a minute half later. A yes, minute later. yes, yeah. it. It was MS though for Brian Bickle. So oh, really? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So he's kind of an interesting little story on YouTube. Well, that makes more it. sense because you said Stu and like Stu is fine. Last yeah. Time. 
Yeah, Fuse Beckel. Yeah, so he's a what he's a, a, for, he's a former Gopher, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Beckel. Yeah. As I say, a lot of, a lot of names going in. I didn't have anything until uh, about 2017. Um, not so much the Stanley Cup final, but remember that Ottawa team that was in 2017 that was that defensive, boring style of play, and it took until double overtime Crosby to Kunitz to advance them to the Stanley Cup final. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I so I had that one. Um, 2019, the Blues go from last to first in the same season. Um, yep. And then head to a Stanley Cup final game seven. Nick, um, I didn't mention it, um, but it was earlier on. I uh, when was the last? That was that's the last game seven in a Stanley Cup final we've had. Um, sure. When was the last one before that? From twenty seventeen mm-hmm. or eighteen? Ooh. Give me a second. Mm. Two thousand nine. A little bit later, it was actually 2011, Boston, Vancouver. That's what it was. Damn yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, in Vancouver when the riots happened. Holy shit. Yep, yep. But you did have uh, you did have that right, uh, you know, the Detroit-Pittsburgh series. And actually, 2004, 2000, or yeah, 2000, yep. 2003, four, four 2000, 2003, 2004, and 2006, three straight years were all game sevens, actually. So we were kind oh, of wow. spoiled, spoiled in that stretch. And then I at the end, of course, uh, Tampa – has absolutely been a wagon in 2020 and 2021. But beyond yeah. that, how about the fact that they might be the only team in history to win a Stanley Cup final with no fans? Basically. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think COVID, but anyway. Yeah, you know, kind of kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting rundown. But really, you look at the 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 transition, right? You had you had the late 90s where you had the Detroit dominance and the Avs were kind of in there, New Jersey, Anaheim. Then you throw you throw some oddballs in there, Tampa, Carolina, then Pittsburgh and Detroit, you know, kind of come in there after Anaheim. Then it was Chicago and LA, then Pittsburgh. Um, you know, throw Tampa in there at the end. But we've seen a change, obviously, in the game of hockey. How have how have these champions changed to you? You know, how not only with the game of hockey, you know, ha- has the idea of how or what it takes to win a Stanley Cup over eight, nine, ten weeks has or two months, you know, has that changed? I mean, yeah, but you have to go back to the eighties to to really find your answer. Um, because if you look at the eighties, it's almost like today's NBA super teams. Um, when you yeah. had Messier, Gretzky, Yari Curry, you know, Grant Fuhrer, just name a few, right? Yeah. You don't have that nowadays. You have an influx of talent. And to me, what makes the championship team is A, speed. B, balance in terms of the depth has to be yeah. able to contribute. And C, I mean, it's always been there, but I think now more than that, it's been goaltending. Um, so I think you're seeing that the eventual Stanley Cup winner in the last decade or so, you have to be good at all three positions to really be yeah. able to take it home. And you can't be this Superman like you were back in the day with, you know, again, Gretzky, because everybody knows, should know that name yeah. to kind of carry you through. You have to have skill at all three positions in order to win it. Yeah, I think the change with the flies on NHL too, where you had this kind of mix of skill until 2010, and then you had like the Bruins and the Kings coming in, and they were kind of some heavy physical teams still in those times. And then you really got to the Penguins and you know the Capitals. Don't forget, Ovi got his first and only cup, and you know you had some skill uh, that kind of it kind of moved towards that you know pace of play sort of thing. And then the St. Louis Blues did have their series with um, 
the Bruins as well too, but it's been an interesting transition. I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to add on some of these cup finals? Of course you were, you've been alive a little bit more than I have. So you have a couple more that are maybe in the memory, years. memory bank as well. The last Canadian team to win. Do you know what year that was? 93, 93, the Canadians. Montreal. Uh, yeah. And then the Rangers and followed by the devils. Uh, um, yep. You know, so of course, a couple of back-to-backs for the Penguins in '91 and '92 um, under different coaches as well, which is kind of yes. an interesting thing. But um, yeah, it, I think I think honestly, the big thing that I've seen, and it's been the evolution of the game, right, Noah, is that for a Stanley Cup final winning team, and especially now, I think the most recent changes is how the defensive um, player has evolved, right? Where it's yeah. You know, they're not the Scott Stevens like they were in 04 or 03, where you can't cut across the middle without really just praying that you'll live through it. It's it's yeah. more about, you know, puck possession. It's about transition. Mm-hmm. It's about speed, offensive skill, and offensive uh, contributions while still being able to use your angles and your skating to keep things to the outside. But it's less of a physical brand of hockey, more of the IQ brand of hockey. Yeah. And a lot of that is stemming from the defensive end and the two guys manning the blue line. And the rare exception, you know, like your Andre Vasilevskis and stuff, but the, the days of, you know, your Marty Brodeurs and, and guys like that who are playing 60, 65 games and then going through an entire playoff run after playoff run, those mm-hmm. days are long gone. You, you see yeah. how many goaltenders have been used second and even some third string options throughout this Stanley cup playoffs in particular. Um, You know, the one, a one B tandem is becoming a very important part of the process, unless you're Dean Evison, you know, so, oops. Uh, So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that I think have really changed that go through there, but you know, it's interesting when you look back uh, at some of the historical moments, I, I think that, um, it's easy to look back, especially with, you know, the golden area, the WCHA too. you look back to the early to mid two thousands when the fly zone NHL kind of came out. I think, I think it's easy to attribute that as maybe kind of a golden time in, in the NHL too, where you just had, you know, Sidney Crosby and Ovi were young and they were coming into the league and the game was changing. The shootout was introduced. We loved it at first and now we hate it. You know, um, I still find it fine. Yeah, you know, better than a tie. I'm sorry. It's better it's, than a tie. It's better than a tie. We got to have the OTs be 10 minutes, though. If you put the OTs three on three at 10 minutes, the odds of many games getting to that point. Yeah, I think happen. I think. Well, yeah, but I think it, I think it goes down quite still a bit. Have a tie. I, I, I don't know. know. I well, don't know. no, I'm saying a shootout after 10 minutes. Like the thing is, is that it's a player safety issue is why yeah, they do it. I but, know. I know. And at the end of it. It's just the regular season the league doesn't want to deal with that. Anyway, I'm just spewing <laughs> nonsense, but sure. So speaking of nonsense, is there anything else you want to talk about on the show today? Let me think. Yeah. I'm trying to look at our schedule here. I think we should have a normal Sunday release coming up uh, for the next two weeks, actually, I think. so. Yeah, I, I guess if anything, um, for for the hockey fans that are out there, don't be that Rangers douche. Oh, yeah, geez. Um, so, but, but go Rangers, though, right? Right. So it, <laughs> and it, it looks like, too, at least the little video that we saw, I'm sure there was chirping back and forth. But isn't that the kind of the fun of being a, a hockey fan is you, you get your chirps in, but then you just like, 
all right, let's both grab a beer over there. And let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's this, this enjoy being the, hockey fans. This right? goes back to the same conversation we had when that North Dakota fan pushed the Omaha fan down. That yeah. Pastor, and, you know? and it's, and again, it was a 20 year for those who didn't follow a 28 year old from Staten Island was arrested and charged with multiple counts, including harassment, uh, battery assault, you name it. And also has been banned for life. Apparently at all MSG properties, including Madison square garden, which, as our friend Ryan Stieg from the MNCAA podcast pointed out, Great how the hell do you enforce that? Yeah. Great question, especially I'm sure that the list of MSG is probably lengthy. Um, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, don't don't be that guy. Hockey fans agree to disagree. In fact, if anything, that's why I think hockey fans are so great. They're, they're passionate. They love their squad. But at the end of the day, you don't need to cheap shot some guy leaving the arena after your team loses especially at home ice i get it it's tough but any sport any that's that's just uncalled for no need for that yeah no i definitely agree we're taking a look <laughs> i'm guessing uh the game seven if necessary is on monday so i'm trying to take a look mm-hmm. yeah we'll be smack dab in the middle of uh the stanley cup final round i think for our next show which should come out on sunday the 19th if that changes definitely take a look and let us or we will let you know i should say at warming house den other than that nick i don't think we have anything else so i think it's time nope. to sign off here just after 12 30 in the midnight hour uh yeah for nick max yeah. i'm not i'm noah grant and we will see you soon in the den Timer come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.